for the win. It's good. Fires over the middle. Collins at the goal line. Touchdown, Miners. This is the Mineshaft, a UTEP football podcast, part of the Republic of Football Network. Now here's your host, Colin Deaver, and former UTEP kicker, Gavin Beckley. Everything feels different after a victory. It felt like the world was falling apart last week. UTEP lost to Jacksonville State. This week, after a victory over an Incarnate Word, UTEP is favored to go on the road and beat a Power 5 opponent in the Big Ten in Northwestern. This is the Mineshaft Podcast, a Dave Campbell's Republic of Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Deaver, alongside my co-host, Gavin Beckley, the 2022 Conference USA Special Teams Player of the Year. Gavin, you preached it last week, and I, I want to give you props for it because you said, I think one of the first things you said on the podcast was, hey, it's one game, let's all take a bre- breath and, and just relax a little bit. Here we are, a week later, and the, the world has not crumbled. Things are a lot brighter right now. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and it just looked like two different teams going out there. Uh, first game, it seemed like they were still putting the pieces together and everything, but then it seemed like this past game, the second half, it kind of kind of all came together offensively and defensively. So, I mean, got to give them credit. Played it, played a great game, uh, second half mostly, but I mean, it was it was a, a definitely a different looking team out there. Yeah, no doubt. We want to break down that 28-14 win over Incarnate Word, but uh, the bulk of this podcast this week will be previewing Northwestern. It is Wednesday. I think most people have kind of turned the page now to that game at Northwestern where, spoiler alert, UTEP is favored by one and a half points. It's the first time in program history that UTEP has been favored by the Vegas odds makers to beat a power five team. We'll get into all of that and more on the mineshaft. Before we uh, do that, of course, Got to take care of some housekeeping things as always here on the Mineshaft. If you want to get any of that sweet new gear, that home field that uh, you can get uh, of UTEP, and you want to get some get a discount, we can help you out with that. Use the promo code Mineshaft uh, with your first purchase. Get this promo code Mineshaft, you'll get 15% off uh, that first purchase at home field. Gavin, our shirts are finally here. My Texas Western basketball shirt is hanging in the closet. I was telling you, yours is in a Ziploc bag to keep it away from the dogs and cats at my house, but we're ready. I love it. I'm excited. Excited to put it on and, and rep that at the next game that I go to. Yeah. When is that going to be, by the way? You keep you keep hinting at it. Um, I think we finally decided it's going to be the UNLV game. Oh, so two weeks from now. Two yeah, weeks. so that'll be, that'll be a good one. I think we're going to be driving out on Thursday and then staying for the weekend and heading back on Sunday, I believe. But I believe that is kind of the plans right now. So that should also be a good game. UNLV played uh, Saturday as well and and had a pretty good pretty good showing. So hopefully uh, they them and the minors continue to roll and, and we'll see how that game goes whenever I'm there. All right. Well, let's get into it now. Of course, UTEP, as we said, coming off a important – 28-14 win over Incarnate Word last Saturday in their home opener. Um, I don't know if I said it on this podcast. I said it a few other places. I really felt like that was a must-win game for the Miners. Uh, you can't go on the road 0-2 to a Power 5 school, albeit even though you know this Northwestern team um, is is one that UTEP is getting picked to beat on the road. But you just you can't 
hang on to that. Like they, it was a game they had to get the win and um, they got it done rolling up 329 rushing yards. Uh, did UTEP in that game? The defense played well, like Gavin said, um, in the second half, didn't allow points. Had a couple of goal line stands, one in the first half, one in the second half. Treads more with the interception to kind of steal it there uh, late in the fourth quarter. And Gavin Hardison, exceptionally efficient in this game, 10 of 13, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Really didn't have to throw the ball um, as much as maybe he sometimes does just because of how good um, the run game was going. But from from your vantage point, Gavin, uh, what was kind of your overall takeaways from the Incarnate Word game? No, yeah, I mean, like I kind of said in the in the intro, definitely a, a different kind of team coming out there, stepping onto the field, which is which is always good to see uh, after a loss, especially of of the caliber that they had the week before. So, I mean, definitely a a, a lot of good good things coming out of that game. Obviously, three hundred plus rushing yards, which is uh, crazy for for UTEP, as well as a very efficient quarterback passing. Um, so, I mean, it was it was all around great game. Um, you know, my my girlfriend at halftime was a little a little scared because it was all tied up. And I was like, you know what, UTEP, since I've been there, has been a second half team. So they're gonna come out um and they're gonna they're gonna prove the second half why why they're the better team and all that. And you know, they they did show up. Defense had a great showing, not allowing a point. And then still uh the offense uh scored twice to to lift them over two touchdowns and uh and I believe beat the spread as well. So that's always nice for the UTEP team. Yeah, there you go. The people in Vegas really uh, happy with the mind. Maybe that's why they're one and a half point favorites. The folks, <laughs> the folks got the cover uh, of the the seven point spread. Yeah, I really thought that what UTEP did uh, against Incarnate Word, especially like that drive to start the second half where they take eight twenty off the clock, and then the one spanning the third and fourth quarters where they went ninety six yards, twelve plays, and only threw it once. And it was actually there was a penalty in there. They went 13 plays, ran it 12 times, but obviously the penalty like wipes that play out of there. So it was actually 12 and 13, but you know that it is what it is. But I just thought those drives were so impressive, and that's exactly what I wanted to see from them against Jacksonville State, where you established that there was absolutely nobody on the Incarnate Word defensive line that could hang with the Miners' offensive line, especially as they started to lean on them um, late in the game. And that's really what I wanted to see against Jacksonville State. Uh, obviously didn't see it um, as much as we saw it against um, Incarnate Word. Do you think, like, look, I don't think you can expect 329 rushing yards every single game. Like, that's that's pretty ridiculous um, to expect on a per-game basis from any offense. But do you think that – some of the things they did against incarnate word in the run game will be able to translate moving forward. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think that that vintage UTEP football, since I've been there is always those long methodical drives that they take six, seven, eight minutes off the clock and, and they just really extend the drive and, and finish with, with some points on the board. So I feel that, that yes, it is um, power five football going to, to Northwestern, but I feel that, that UTEP will try to carry over um, what they did against Incarnate Word and and try to continue enforcing that run game that they did so well against UIW. That running running game uh, is now affectionately nicknamed Run DMT. Uh, Dion Mike Torrance. <laughs> we asked them about that at practice today. Like none of them actually knew, and they knew who Run DMC was, but none of them really knew um, much about their music. So it's kind of funny to like listen, you just listen to hear him talk about it, but fantastic nickname for those guys. And again, 
when you have three guys you can lean on in the running game, I mean, that's, that's just crucial. No. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, Dion, obviously great, great game out of him. That's, that's kind of what we were kind of expecting to see um, um, from game one and everything. And then obviously Torrance getting his first touchdown of the year with that nice, I believe it was like a 40 yard run or something. That's, that's just, that's kind of what we expected out of him. Just the, the quick back that we see and, and obviously the moves and everything that he made, it was, it was very, very great to see him kind of step into that role and, and be able to, to put on that fast back and definitely score a nice touchdown. And then as well as Mike Franklin had a good game, um, just him, what do you have? Like nine carries for 53 yards averages almost six. That's, that's kind of what we need to see out of those. Those three is just kind of whenever one guy get goes off the field, it's not a dropping of, of any of the of the level of play so it was nice to see us get three running backs out there that are all kind of equal it it contributing no turnovers for utep in this game which i thought was huge and really preached shows um kind of what gavin hardison uh preached in the in the lead up uh to this game that you know they just had to take better care of the football three turnovers against jacksonville state in the opener if you take just one of those off off the board they probably win the game um that's just that's just how it is so you don't I mean they didn't turn the ball over their time of possession almost 36 minutes uh and that really again reared up in the second half Incarnate Word only had the ball three times in the entire second half um just because UTEP was controlling so much of the clock their first drive uh, for Incarnate Word four plays 26 yards second drive was three plays three yards and then the last drive was uh obviously their best one of the second half 15 plays 60 yards but it ended uh, in an interception by UTEP again that effectively, you know, closed the game out. So in that second half, I'm going to do some quick math here. It was 60. So they had 89 total yards of offense in that second half did incarnate word, obviously kept off the score sheet and Tyrese Knight moving over to the middle linebacker position. I think Cal actually said this uh, um, Wallerstedt when he was on the show a couple weeks ago, that him moving over there would lead to some like big, tackle totals and maybe sack totals Tyrese had a sack in this one 16 total tackles two and a half for loss um do you think that that's a I mean obviously the stats show it's a good move but do you think that overall and like we're gonna when we look back at this season like is it going to be a a good move for UTIP that he moved over to that middle linebacker position yeah no definitely I mean you kind of need in that middle linebacker you kind of need a, a dog in that position and and Cal was very very good at stepping up and being that guy um, so definitely having uh, Tyrese kind of now step into that role. Obviously, we saw him last year do a great job. So I feel that him stepping in that middle linebacker role is we saw this past game, 16 tackles. Like that's that's crazy. That's almost unheard of is, is a linebacker, especially with the little amount of, of plays that Incarnate Word did have in the second half, as well as two tackles for loss and one sack. Like that's, that's just showing the – the crazy amount of athleticism in that kind of production that he's able to have at middle linebacker. Yeah. And obviously the, they play the four, two, five and like the buck spot, which is where James Neal's at this year, where Tyrese was uh, at last year, as it's been explained to me is a little bit more of a contain role, which is with all the injuries at the linebacker position, kind of what they needed from him uh, last year. But, you know, this year more people are healthy. So he's kind of just able to um, do what he does best, which is attack you know, attack the football wherever it's at. So uh, definitely going to be interested to see, um, you know, where, how that 
continues to grow for him. Um, no Kobe Hilton in this game. Um, injured against Jacksonville State. Had crutches and a boot on during the game. But Trajan Huji, I thought, played well. Had a huge pass breakup um, in the, I think, second quarter. Uh, maybe it was a late for it was either late first or early second quarter that, that stopped the touchdown on fourth down. But what did you think? You know, obviously this happens every single year where guys are having to fill in um, because of injuries. But what do you kind of think of that? No, yeah, I mean, he he had a great game. Number two on the team and in, um, in total tackles, five solos. Um, that's what kind of is you're you're looking for at some of these DBs on a on a more run heavy team is is they were um, just kind of coming down either off the edge or, or up the middle and trying to either plug those holes or get the, get the fast backs um, to the ground as fast as possible. So, I mean, he, he had a great, great game um, in the tackling aspect. Um, and I, I feel it as well as in DB, he, he had a, a very solid game. I'm pretty sure um, not a whole lot of yards um, that were receiving on him, maybe, maybe a couple plays, but other than that, I feel like he had a, he had a very, very solid game overall. Anything else you want to touch on from the Incarnate Word game that kind of caught your eye? Um, I would say the only thing, James Neal, if you're listening to this, don't get that 15-yard penalty. Don't pick that guy up. Like, I was watching that, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. It was like fourth and one or something. Everybody on the sideline was really upset about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was upset too, but not at the same reason because that was obviously a flag, but – but just no, no, no. Everyone, no. People were mad at James. Like, oh yeah, okay. I was no, because the because the, mean... the whistle had been blowing for a good five seconds. Yeah, no, definitely. And then I saw him pick him up, and I was like, "This is it. This is." And then I mean, obviously, then that that same drive they go four and out again. So I mean, it was it was good to see. I even watching that, I was like, "Man, they should have kicked the field goal there. They they need to get as many points before the the first half is over because UTEP's gonna come out this second half and 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 really put it to them." Yeah, I know we mentioned it last week, like Incarnate Word, you see that they're an FCS opponent, but like this team is ranked in the top 10 of at the FCS level uh, coming into this game. They I think they dropped from seven to 10 uh, after a loss to UTEP. So like they're still really highly regarded. Like I would say they're their best 15 players were probably on par with UTEP's best 15 players. The difference is just the drop off from 15 to 30. Whereas yeah. UTEP's UTEP's drop off is you know is is not as far um, as there theirs is after like that first fifteen players and then again that's you just you're able to lean on them um, with that offensive line like they were they were winning uh, the line of scrimmage defensively as well um, so yeah it just it just ended up being um, just too much in terms of uh, where the miners were able to kind of hang their hat on again which is what like i said what i wanted to see against jacksonville state they ended up doing against incarnate wording uh, a must win situation um Gavin, let's move on now to the northwestern game and so interesting right i mean i knew coming in to the season that this was going to be a game that utep might have a shot to win um you can't ever as a group of five team go into a power five expecting to win. I don't think, but it just looked on paper um, that they would have a shot. We'll look at everything going on at Northwestern right now, obviously a un really unfortunate um, hazing scandal, not completely unlike what I've covered the last year or so at New Mexico state, um, their head coach 
uh, Pat Fitzgerald fired after 16 or 17 seasons um, because of it. There's lawsuits coming in from both sides of the equation. So it is a complete mess. David Braun, welcome to your first head coaching job, my guy. Um, he's the interim head coach there at Northwestern. And um, so obviously they have all of that going on, but this team has struggled the last two years anyways. They have not won a game on American soil since October, I think, 16th of 2021. Their last win period was the first – it was week zero when you guys played North Texas last year, um, and they lost to – or excuse me, they beat Nebraska in Dublin, Ireland. I remember watching that game before coming into the station to uh, cover the UTEP game and thinking, oh, Northwestern – they didn't look bad, Mick. Maybe that maybe they'll be all right this year. Nope, went one and eleven. Uh, so it's just been a really rough couple of years for them. Having said all of that, they're still a power five team. Um, UTEP is favored by one and a half points. Northwestern is going to be hearing about that all week about how they're uh, under home underdogs to a team that historically isn't one of the top dogs in college football. To put it nicely, um, just. I'll ask you first, like, what were your thoughts when you first saw UTEP was favored to go on the road and beat Northwestern? And then um, just maybe give me your your thoughts on like that program as a whole, which has fallen from in 2020 playing in the Big Ten, you know, title game to this three years later. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously not not too surprised after kind of watching them play on Saturday um, that UTEP is a favorite. I mean, they just looked like. I don't even know. It, it looked like a bunch of high schoolers out there just drawing up plays and, and trying to run those. There was, I think, one clip that I saw where the quarterback the was throwing to one of the receivers and he had stopped his route. And then the quarterback basically threw in double coverage where there was no one there because the receiver stopped his route mid-play. So, I mean, it's just – it's looking looking hopeful for the minors. Obviously, it, like you said, it is power five. The, the competition is a different level. The athletes are a different level. So it's just going to be interesting. And UTEP's playing away, and we know that UTEP's not not very good away as they are at home. So I mean, it's going to be good a good game. I think overall interesting um, to watch. And and I feel if if UTEP is kind of able to to do like they did last game, and and try to take the ball out of out of Hardison's hand as much as possible, and then whenever he needs to step in and make those big throws that that he did last game, that that'll definitely give give UTEP the the edge over Northwestern yeah they opened actually it's a one and a half point favorites for UTEP now they opened as three point underdogs and you can definitely tell like people are immediately hammering that line uh if it if it adjusted <laughs> as quickly as it did um this Northwestern team uh kind of Gavin mentioned it coming off a loss uh to open the season um to Rutgers Final score was 24 to 7 in favor of Rutgers. Um, but Northwestern was 19 seconds away from getting shut out completely in this one. They scored a touchdown with 19 seconds left in the game to avoid that. So it gives you an idea of, of what their offense did against a Rutgers team that I'm not really sure is going to be good this year in the Big Ten. Northwestern just 12 rushing yards on 22 total carries. Ben Bryant. Uh, got the majority of the reps at quarterback transfer from Cincinnati was not bad at Cincinnati last year, 21 touchdowns. Um, and he on, on uh, Sunday was 20 of 36, 169 yards and two interceptions. So um, I certainly see the 
uh, route here for a UTEP. Um, I don't. I guess we should. It's we should still probably call it an upset, even though they're favored um, in Vegas. But um, yeah, I do want to talk about what you brought up, which is the road record. They're four and fourteen in their last three seasons um, away from the Sun Bowl. In your recollection, um, I guess they went on. You know, they went on the road and beat Charlotte last year uh, to for the first win in the Eastern Time Zone. You know, from your time at UTEP, what was maybe the common denominator of road wins? Um. I mean, from whenever I was there, it, it was always kind of close games um, whenever we went on the road. As we saw, like, last year against Charlotte, it was – we kind of had them on the ropes for a while and then battled back and forth, and then they ended up coming back and making it close. But I feel that, that whenever we kind of get out of our own heads and, and settle down a little bit when we're on the road, that's usually whenever we play better, just kind of like – thinking we're at home and everything and not let the fans kind of be involved as, as they are whenever we're away rather than at home. Um, so I feel that if they, if they go out there and are able to execute, slow down the the game, um, try to bleed the clock as much as possible and establish a run game. I feel that's when, that's when the minors are, are best away. Um, and I mean, obviously if, as we have been talking about, that hasn't been a whole lot of doing that because four and 14 away, so I feel that that this is kind of going to be a big one to to hopefully hang our hat on and and try to turn around that that away record. And we we brought it up preseason. It was your stat uh, when Gavin Hardison throws twenty under thirty. I think we decided it was under thirty passes uh, last year. UTEP won all four of the games uh, that he was the starter for when he threw twenty nine or less passes this year. Uh, against Jacksonville State, his line, uh, 29 passes uh, with two interceptions in the fumble, UTEP loses. Well, last week <laughs> against Incarnate Word, your theory proven to be true. He throws 13 passes, 10 of 13, only 92 yards and two touchdowns. Again, as the run game um, was fantastic. So how does UTEP kind of get into those situations? Because you can't do it every – it's it's totally situational and kind of based on what the run game is doing, right? Like, But how can UTEP get into those situations where Hardison is, you, you know, more comfortable not having to have these third and eights, third and nines, whatever it might be, where he is kind of forced to um, maybe throw the ball 30 or more times to try to get UTEP a win? Yeah, um, I mean, that that goes a couple of different ways. I mean, obviously, if we're trying to limit the amount of throws, then we can do a, a number of things from trying to, like, swing the ball out with some pitches to the running backs and stuff and try to get them out on the edge, um, as well as, and I mean, the, the only other thing, if the run game's not working, is shorter passes, little screens and stuff to receivers um, that that usually seem to, to get a good chunk of yards down the field. And I mean, we just, the biggest thing is kind of, dominating up front um if we can if we can do that and i know we can't do that every game but if we can try to start that early this game and and try to build off that um that's when i feel that that the miners definitely have the the best shot at winning because whenever we try to and nothing nothing bad on gavin but whenever we try to put it in his hands more it always seems like like the game is is a little out of reach whenever whenever we try to either set a lead, come back from a, a deficit or anything. So I feel that that we definitely need to try to establish that run game, if not any quick pass game and stuff, and and hopefully not not 
let him air it out as much as he as he has down the field rather than just these short little passes that five ten yard out routes that we saw that in the UIW game that eventually would lead to a touchdown. And we talked about it last week too, just the those little screen routes that other teams seem to throw that UTEP maybe doesn't do enough. Well, they apparently are uh, listeners of the mind shaft because they did that quite a bit uh, on uh, last Saturday. In fact, the, the second touchdown pass Gavin third. So Tyron Smith was a, a run pass option. I believe the first to uh, Justin Clark was also a run pass option. Um, so just kind of, you know, f- they're running the ball so well, he's able to freeze, you know, the defenders at the line of scrimmage uh, with the, with the fake and then swing it out. I mean, Tyron, obviously is electric. I mean, he was at Texas A&M for a cup of coffee f- for a reason. Um, like he's, he's a, he's a good player and he can, you know, he was able to make somebody miss um, in the open field. I have to imagine that we'll see more of that um, against Northwestern. Uh, but I also do think like, they're going to have to take some more shots down the field than they did against incarnate word. Like you're just, um, you're not, I don't think they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage as much as they did um, against Incarnate Word. I still think they will have a shot to do that, but um, I don't think they'll, you're going to see them do that as as much um, against Northwestern. One thing I did like against Incarnate Word is I sometimes feel like when they fall behind early, which they did twice, they were down 7 nothing, and then 14-7, they'll abandon the game plan a little bit and then just start kind of taking shots. Really did not do that against incarnate word. And I think that that's going to be important on the road um, this week at Northwestern is just, Hey, stick to your guns. You know, what works, you know, what this team does well, just see um, if you can do it. If, if at halftime it's, you know, it's not working, you know, then maybe make some adjustments, but early on, I I was, I was pleased to kind of see how they stuck to their guns a little bit offensively. Yeah, definitely. And I feel that that's just Dimmel kind of trusting his, his veterans, um, Obviously, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, a whole lot of experience on that offense from offensive line to receiver to running back to quarterback. Um, so it was just it was I, I I do agree with that. It was good to see that it wasn't panicky and trying to take shots down the field and everything. It was more just calm down. We're going to continue doing what we're doing. It's worked so far. Let's continue doing that. And it was good that that they did that and then kind of came out in the second half did the same thing defense stepped up more than they did the first half we were able to bleed the clock and and take the dub but it was like you said definitely good to see that no matter they were down their route they stuck stuck to the game plan and that's kind of what I'm looking for is just a consistent game throughout the whole game of of not trying to panic and and trying to forcefully beat the other team rather just trust trust your guys and and let them do what they do and that's that's also good to see the the trust that Dimmel has with the offense, at least. I did ask on Twitter uh, for listener questions, um, and we got one from Sleepy Kev Five with the explosion of the run game last week. Do you expect Dana Dimmel to keep the same game plan for Northwestern? So not totally different from what we've been, you know, talking about the last four or five minutes here. Um, I want to go back to something, and I'm scrolling through my. Twitter page trying to find the quote here. So bear with me, but back to something that Dana said at his press conference um, on Monday, which is here we go. Northwestern's defensive schemes are similar to what incarnate word 
ran last week. Obviously, the personnel will be at different levels. Like they will have kind of more of a Big Ten athlete, but uh, Dimmel thinks there could be some carryover um, for the UTEP offense. Um, he also said that his ideal run pass split, and I've been trying to hammer him down on this for years. He said his ideal run pass split for the UTEP offense is 65 35 uh, run to pass. It was 79% against Incarnate Word uh, last week. Um, again, I don't think they're going to be able to run it at that high of a clip this week against Northwestern. Um, but certainly, um, that 65 35 split, I think is possible. I don't know to answer Kev's question. And we were talking about this before we started recording, um, going back to last year when, uh, against Boise state, you guys ran the ball, uh, so effectively. Um, I think it was kind of similar. I have, yeah, I have the stats. Gavin threw 10, uh, he was 10 of 11, um, for 123 yards they ran the ball 54 times so kind of a similar split to what this incarnate word game was and it was a very similar question uh last year uh, heading into a road game at charlotte kind of what would utep do uh run run pass wise and they really stuck to the run again 45 attempts for 252 yards gavin threw uh 14 times completed 10 passes 173 yards three touchdowns so um there is a little bit of kind of like a carryover from last year, like a correlation, I guess you could say, um, in terms of like what UTEP does from a game-to-game basis. Obviously, it depends on how you're being defended too, but um, it, like Coach said, I mean, it does seem like they think they're going to be able to run the ball again. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that, that you have to kind of scout out your opponent first because if they're – one of those teams that has eight in the box the whole time, then obviously you're going to not be able to run the ball every single time and you're going to have to pass. But I mean, with North Northwestern, I am looking for a little bit of the same that we had before um, a lot of, a lot of running just to establish the run game. And then kind of some of those RPOs that we saw against UIW. So I feel that, that it's going to be relatively similar um, to the style that we had against UIW, but at the same time, you also don't want to, kind of have the same exact game plan game in and game off because whenever a team's kind of kind of looking at film and everything they'll be able to pick up on on some of the tendencies and cues that that UTEP did last game so it's going to be one of those things where I, I would see that UTEP tries to continue to to have the run game be as effective as they did but also at the same time as we talked about not panicking if it doesn't work and continuing to to stay fresh and, and try to throw some quick passes as, as well as every now and then a deep shot down the field. Northwestern gave up 190 yards on average uh, per game last year, gave up 122 on 44 attempts by Rutgers uh, last week. Um, so we'll see. I mean, if that's more Rutgers, again, I just don't think Rutgers is that good. Um, so I, who knows that we, who knows if they're better than UTEP. We'll see. Um, but I just, I just have this feeling UTEP's going to be able to run the ball, um, better than, um, Rutgers did against Northwestern. Let's kind of shift our focus here a little bit to the defensive side of the football for UTEP when Northwestern has the ball again, went over some of the stats from last week, a second ago, but here they are just in case, uh, uh, you forgot 12 total rushing yards on 22 attempts for Northwestern last week versus Rutgers. Um, they ended up playing, I guess it would have been two quarterbacks, but Brendan Sullivan came in late, you know, in the game, ended up throwing the touchdown pass that were that served as Northwestern's only points in this one. But Ben Bryant, uh, wasn't very efficient at that quarterback position. 
Um, just kind of when you look at, you know, comparing like this UTEP defense against this Northwestern offense, um, what matchups do you see it kind of like that might work uh, in UTEP's favor? Oh, uh, yeah. Some that I'm kind of seeing is obviously um, with with Tyrese um, in that D line trying to stop the run game. I feel that that there's going to be a lot of success in that. And then um, just looking through, I feel that that we're going to have a good matchup between um, probably their their best receiver, either Cam Johnson or A.J. Henning. And then um, whether that's versus um, either Trajan or or against um, against another DB over there is Tory Richardson. I feel like that's going to be a good matchup to watch. Um, obviously, Cam Johnson or AJ Henning having four receptions for forty-two yards, four receptions for forty-five. Um, so I feel that that's going to be. A, a good matchup to see because obviously those guys other than that all the other stats kind of drop off in the in the receiving so that's going to be a, a a good matchup to to watch out of UTEP and Northwestern and looking at this Northwestern statue how many how many different receivers caught a pass in this game let's see you had the the three guys that each caught four Thomas Gordon had uh three catches and then there's like there's like ten guys that had a had each had one catch, so kind of interesting to see how they, um, you know, spread it around offensively. Albeit again, they didn't score until there were 19 seconds left, um, in the game. Yeah, I I think like the I was talking to some people who kind of cover Northwestern a little bit, uh, obviously closer than we do here in El Paso, um, and they think that UTEP might really have the athletes that can kind of. Um, basically they can kind of out athlete Northwestern potentially, which is not something that I think we've said very often about a UTEP team going against the power five. Certainly like you see, we, we've talked about it, you know, in conference USA or against FCS teams, but I thought that was really interesting to hear about, you know, UTEP potentially being able to out athlete um, a big 10 team. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, kind of going from what UTEP had whenever I was recruited in to kind of what they have now, they, they definitely have, have been on the upswing in recruiting just from Juco to, to the occasional high school guy. But I feel that the kind of the athletes and the people that Dimmel's brought in are definitely making huge impacts in the game. That's why people always give uh, Dimmel crap about how he basically only recruits Juco guys and he doesn't recruit local and stuff like that but at the same time it's like not a lot of, of people in the in the El Paso area are able to try to compete with some of these power five schools and stuff so that's why we do need the experience and everything from from the Juco's in order to to try to whenever we do play teams like this to to level up the matchup rather than bringing in a bunch of a, a bunch of freshmen basically and uh, to try to do that who've never played a, a lick of college football in their life so it's just a little a little different and and I mean it's definitely like I said the the most athletic team that that has been there and since since I left so I mean or sorry not that I left this is the first team that's <laughs> you been just there left, since I left but, yeah <laughs> but the most athletic team since I've been there and left to to I think step on the football field so I'm excited for this one I would agree. This is the most athletic team they've had since you left. Yeah. That it's also is a, the only team they've had. Yeah, it's a it's a fair. It's a, a very accurate statement. Uh, you won't <laughs> you won't get any shit for that one. Um, yeah. I guess 
we talked a little bit again at but uh, when we started the Northwestern preview about um UTEP being a one and a half point favorite. You know, you you guys, I don't. First of all, how much do college athletes pay attention to that? Like, like actually. Um, I mean, at least I didn't a whole lot. I okay. think I think it's just one of those things like you look at and you're like, oh, we're the favorites. But I mean, at the same time, it's also one of those things like like ESPN has their own stat ranking and thing, and they have right. Northwestern an 80% favorite, but Vegas has UTEP a one and a half point favorite. So, I mean, yeah. it's just and like, that's actually funny to see. Cause it's like th- that has it's that 80% Northwestern winning um, is like right above the, the spread, the Vegas spread, which is like 1.5 in favor. Yeah. It's, it's very, so, I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't really look into the, to the spread and everything as a player a whole lot. I mean, if if now that that I'm not a player and everything, and if I can now start gambling on games and stuff, then that's probably when I'd look into it. But since I don't do that, I don't really take take too much uh, looking into into the spread and everything. Yeah, I I really didn't until uh, a couple of years ago, and I still don't gamble. Um, but I just I it's a good way to like kind of gauge what people think, like who. Where people who don't cut, like follow the teams as closely as maybe we do with UTEP or like a Northwestern fan or writer would uh, with them, it's just interesting to like see like the outsider viewpoint of it, um, which is which is why I look at it every week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you, you sort of answered my question a little bit, but like for Northwestern, is that is that something like they might be able to use as motivation of like, hey, we're we're supposed to be this big 10 team but people think like you know little old utep's gonna come into our house and beat us like is that is that some sense of motivation for them or does it not even matter yeah i mean i'm sure any any motivation they can get right now with with their last game and how that turned out i guess that they'll be able to the, to kind of use so i'm sure that they they're definitely well aware that utep is the favorite and everything but i feel like there's there's kind of other motivation they just lost to rutgers who's usually a very uh lower team in the in that conference and everything so i mean is it i i feel that they have enough um motivation from kind of previous season as well as the the first game they played but i mean that's just kind of adds fuel to the fire but i mean at the same time that also adds a little motivation for utep as well like they they got someone to prove even if they they go out and they win the game by 50 points it's like yeah, well, they only said that we were one and a half point favorites. Like they, they, they got something to prove as well. So I mean, and I mean that would be that would be great if they went out and won by fifty points. But I mean, I personally I don't see that happening. But it would be really, really nice. Yeah, I don't see a fifty point blowout either way. I think it's gonna be. <laughs> I think it's gonna be. If UTEP wins, it's close. If Northwestern wins, I see a wider range of things. I I could see them winning close. I could also see them winning by two touchdowns. Yeah, no, um, definitely. I would, I would probably put it on a little, a little wider of a spread. I would probably say like, I'm going to, I would say probably like a six point would be the spread in either way. Um, So that's what, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to w- judge a game and win a game by like one point, two points. So, I mean, it's, it's a very, very weird spread and very weird line, but you know, who knows? Well, that brings us to, I guess, as we start to wrap things up here, as we've done the first couple of weeks, uh, keys to victory. Uh, Gavin will do two, I'll do two, and then we'll each 
after after we give our keys, we'll each pick who we think is going to win. So, Gavin, your your major keys for a minor victory. Uh, I sound like a, a broken record here doing this. but Welcome I mean, to being know. in media. Yeah. Obviously, last game, you got to control the line on both sides of the ball. Um, that's going to be huge. Um, so we got to establish a good run game um, as well as try to stop the run and make them throw the ball because as we've seen the – the transfer quarterback from Cincinnati that Northwestern has, whenever he gets pressured and everything, is not very careful with the ball. So defense, if line's got to come up big is to stop that run. And then obviously offensive line with all the the hype and the and the experience they have has got to be able to to control and and try to have those typical UTEP drives that just bleed the clock is and and end at least with points. And then I would say number two would turnovers i'm going to say they got to they got to win the turnover battle and win the turnover margin this game as well to to try to have a have a good chance at, at beating northwestern cuz whenever whenever we take care of the ball as we've seen first game didn't take care of the ball um had a close game that could have gone either way if if utep would have taken care and scored on one or two of those drives and then obviously we saw last game um zero turnovers which which was huge so just got to continue that that streak and try to make make the turnover margin in, in UTEP's favor. And I feel that if we do that, then that'll definitely lead the Miners to success. Yeah, and your point about Ben Bryan, again, he's he's been around college football. I mean, he's, he played its interesting career path for that for the North, now Northwestern quarterback. He was at Cincinnati 2018 to 2020, transferred to Eastern Michigan in 2021, and then he transferred back to Cincinnati last year. And now he's at Northwestern. So interesting college football career, but he's not like he's not the worst quarterback UTEP will face this year. I don't think. I mean, 21 touchdowns last year at Cincinnati, seven interceptions. He threw for 2,700 yards. He threw for over 3,000 yards two years ago at Eastern Michigan. Like, you know, he wasn't good against uh, in his first game at Northwestern, but nobody was good for Northwestern last week. So hard to put it all um, on him. So I just, I, I think that his, he will have a moment that might, maybe it's, it might not be against UTEP, but he's going to have a moment this year uh, at quarterback for Northwestern because like his track record is, has, is proven that he's, he's better than what he showed um, on Saturday. So um, for me, I guess my keys for UTEP would definitely be um, controlling the tempo. Um, they really have done that the last, uh, the first two weeks, um, just the turnovers, like you said, is what killed them against Jacksonville State, but control the tempo. Um, they're fantastic at doing that, especially as uh, you know, as experienced as they are offensively. Uh, I think if you control the tempo in this game, um, have some long extended drives like they did against Incarnate Word, I think that would be a huge um, boost. Um, I think I think if they're going to win, they're going to have to do that. Um, and then my second one, um, I'm going to piggyback off you i'm sorry i'm just gonna say you know the, t- the turnover battle uh and it's it's so cliche to say actually no i'm gonna go back gavin hardison has to be efficient um he has to have a game like he had uh against incarnate word like he did against charlotte last year like he did against boise state um cliche to say it but he is you know as the, at the quarterback position he's the key to everything and he was fantastic last week against Incarnate Word. He was not very good against Jacksonville State. And look at the win-loss records uh, in those games. So um, I want to see Gavin be efficient, and I want to see them control the tempo. Um, 
So that's that's what I like. Uh, that's that's what I think. Gavin, finally, what is your uh, scoreline prediction? Who who wins and by how much? Oh man, it's always hard to to go up against UTEP. Um, but I don't think I am going to this game. I think that the miners, it's going to be a close one. Very very good defensive battle back and forth, and I think that that it's going to be twenty one to seventeen. The miners are going to take it um, and go under on the on the spread, and they're going to cover as well. Making a lot of predictions there, but the number one thing is he picked Utah to win twenty-one to seventeen. What was your pick? Were we both thirty-one twenty-four last week? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, and we we were both. I mean, we both picked the win. That was that was accurate, yeah, at least. That's all that matters. Um, UTEP's defense the first two weeks obviously gave up seventeen to Jack State and then fourteen to Incarnate Word. Um, I think that that's obviously you know another cliche. They always say defense travels. Um, so I think the defense will be good for UTEP on Saturday. Um, I think they're going to be able to run the game. It's run the ball. I think it's just going to come down. Um kind of like the Jacksonville state game to like probably three or four plays in the game. And are those going to go UTEP's way? Um, I think that they're going to this week. I'm going to pick them as well to win. I'm going to go 24, 21. Uh, UTEP gets the victory. Um, that's, I just, historically, like if this happens, it will be their first win over a power five team since the 1967 Sun Bowl over Ole Miss. So we are picking against, massive massive uh like years and years of history here um but history is you know the re- records are meant to be broken history is meant to be changed whatever whatever cliche slogan you want to throw in there i think utef's going to get it done uh we'll we'll see but i i really i really think they got a good shot so yeah yeah i appreciate the the field goal in there the, I like yeah. that. I like that. I didn't want to throw it all on Buzz and say you know, Buzz <laughs> is going to make a game-winning field goal at the gun. I wasn't going to do that, quite go that far. But yeah, twenty-four, twenty-one. <laughs> and fun fact, Gavin, they they win no matter what because they're getting one point two million dollars to go play this game. So no matter what, the athletic department is winning. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it would also be nice if they get paid one point two million dollars to go in there and win as well. That's right. always nice as well. For sure, for sure. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I, yeah, I think they have as good a shot as they've ever had in their program history to go on the road and get a win over a Power Five team. We'll see what happens on Saturday, and we will be back with you uh, next week to break it all down and, of course, preview the next game for UTEP, which will be uh, on the road at Arizona. Gavin, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, they need to lock in on this one, you know away game it's gonna it's gonna be huge but they definitely have have a really good chance to to continue and and have them the second win on their on their tally um they just need to take the fans out of it early and and continue to to build off what they had last game and i think that they can do that you're in chicago and you're a utep fan tickets are three bucks so hop on the train up to evanston and and go see a game for like I mean, shoot, uh, what does a train ticket cost? Like five bucks? The train ticket might cost more than a game ticket. So, <laughs> And if you guys need help, I'll give you $3 and you can go <laughs> to the game. There you go. But not That's a lot a- of you, just maybe a couple. 
<laughs> that's the part of the podcast I'm going to clip. Gavin Beckley will pay for your ticket to the Northwestern game. So make sure you read the fine print, though. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, this has been the Mind Chef podcast, a Dave Campbell's Republic of Football Network podcast. Uh, again, UTEP at Northwestern. Big game. We will see what the Miners have for them uh, on Saturday. 1.30 Mountain Time kickoff on the Big Ten Network. We'll see you next week.